What's up, guys, and welcome back to my podcast. Ah, I'm going to have to think of a better intro. everybody welcome back to the turning point podcast it has been a hot second once again no apologies um yeah anyway it's a rainy miserable day outside and i have a free hour so i thought i would finally sit down and record a podcast um thanks everyone who's been bugging me about it um i probably wouldn't do it if people didn't you know give me feedback like that so thank you um so this one i wrote a long time ago um over last summer i read through pretty much all of the major and minor profits. And that was kind of an amazing experience because I wasn't super familiar with a lot of them. And yeah, it just, yeah, if you haven't really read through or taken the time to pay attention to those books, I would highly recommend going and reading them. Because there's a lot of things that are very surprising. Um, uh, so this episode is about Ezekiel chapter 16. And I remember being really young and just kind of reading through random parts of the Bible and coming across this one and just being kind of horrified because it's a little graphic and kind of like, whoa, what is going on? Um, but yeah, this is a parable um, basically that the Lord says directly to Ezekiel. And it starts out um, with the Lord saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. And that's really the point of this parable. He wants to show Jerusalem um, just exactly what they're doing to him and this one if I don't know if if you kind of have um, if you're unable to kind of wrestle with uh, like the wrath of God and the anger of God especially in the Old Testament um, I think this passage will kind of help you put it into perspective Um, so are you comfortable with the wrath of God have you thought about that have you like read through these passages of judgment and really understood that like this is the same God that you like pray to at the end of the day um it's yeah it it does make me pretty uncomfortable at times and sometimes I read through those passages and I'm kind of a little scared and not really sure what to do with it um yeah so don't be afraid to be honest with yourself we all have preconceived notions about God that we need to evaluate and we need to submit before him and just be honest about so that he can change us and so that he can give us an understanding of who he truly is Um, and it's going to be greater and different than we probably understand right now Um, one thing about the Lord that we know is that he is unchangeable he does not ebb and flow like a human Um, but he is responsive like his character does not change but he does react to us which is pretty crazy um something that i've been kind of understanding better um is like the way god responds in anger and how that is not the opposite of love you know like it's uh, as a child you know you feel like when someone's angry at you you don't you don't think that they love you. Like if your parents are angry at you, then you, you know, in your childish mind, you're like, oh, they don't love me right now. Or like, oh, they hate me. Um, you know, when, yeah, when someone's angry at me, I don't really feel loved. So (laughs) 
something happened kind of recently, or it was recent when I actually wrote this episode three months ago. Um, uh, I was home on Thanksgiving break, um, and around that time, my little brother had recently got his driver's license, and so we, like, met up at the movie theater, and we had, like, driven separately because he had just got off work. Um, such an adult, oh my gosh. Uh, and so when we were in the, the parking lot after the movie, we were in our separate cars and he like pulled up next to me like really suddenly and it freaked me out. I got so angry. Um, he was just trying to like, you know, pull up next to me. So I rolled down my window and talked to him, but for some reason he just like did it really erratically. And so I thought he was like going to ram into me or he was like playing chicken with me. And I, I was so mad. Like, I was just like, how, why would you do that? <laughs> like, you could have hit my car, you could have gotten really hurt. And then, like, as I was following him home, every, like, little thing that he did that kind of kind of looked like he was driving recklessly, I think he is a pretty good driver. Except for the one time he went into a ditch, but <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, why was I so mad? because I was so worried about him. I was like, this is my baby brother and he's driving like a, a car on his own and he could he could get himself hurt. And I don't know, I kind of had this realization in that moment of like, oh, this maybe this is the way God loves me. Like my choices that are reckless or irresponsible or selfish that could lead to me, you know, drawing far away from God or getting hurt or hurting others like I can see why that would make him sad or even angry and if you look at humankind over the course of history and all the choices that we make um, that are so destructive like okay maybe I do understand why God gets angry is because you know we have he's given us you know the path of righteousness he's given us all we need to be holy and if we you know if we follow the design that he has for us like it truly is the best for us and yet when we don't choose that it's not it's it is disrespecting god but it's also you know the worst possible option for us and so it, you know yeah so that experience just it made the anger of god make a little more sense and especially when reading this passage. Let me get down to it. So I'm going to help you. You should definitely go and read Ezekiel, especially this chapter 16, but I'm going to like summarize it for you um, to, just to make it a little easier to understand. So in this parable, the Lord is passing by a field and he sees a baby. He said, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloth. No eyes pitied you, to do any of these things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out to an open field for you abhorred on the day that you were born. So he's walking along in the field and he sees this like newborn child just like still in its blood and no one was around caring for it. It was just abandoned. And so he picks it up and he cares for it and he takes you in. Um, and I said to you, live. And then so he takes care of this child. And then it's, the child grows up, and it's a, a woman, and yeah, he marries her, he like gives her all these fine things, um, I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head, thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth, 
You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. And it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. So the Lord, you know, he's like, in this parable, he would be like this rich, you know, nobleman. And then he finds this just like abandoned child, like there's nobody in the field. And, you know, he, there should be this separation of class and wealth and all that. But no, he just adopts this girl and then he, she grows up and then he marries her. Like, you know, it was probably very countercultural and it's not, you know, like what people expect. Um, and then he gives her all these fine and beautiful things and he gives her this status. And so she, this woman, um, you know, she's rich, she's wealthy, she's married to this man who loves her very much, and she should have been a nobody. So here she is, and this is where we are. Um, and then it says, But you trusted in your beauty, and you played the whore because of your renown, and lavished your whorings on any passerby, and your beauty became his. And then it goes on and on about how this woman, um, yeah, played the whore to anyone who came by. And there's another passage uh, that says, this is in verse 31, 33. Yet you are not like a prostitute because you scorn payment. Like she, she wasn't selling herself. Adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men gives gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So this is like scandalous. Like she not only cheats on her husband, she cheats on him with any possible person like anyone who passes by she's just kind of like spreads herself out and then she gives away his wealth that he gave her to all these people and it's not like she's asking for a payment or she's getting anything from them she's like giving it away it's like shameless um and so because he is a god of justice um he speaks of her punishment and the things that are going to happen to her because of what she's done um he talks about how you know, like all your lovers will betray you and then you will become shamed um, and he, she will bear all her disgrace. Uh, I will stretch there, there behold, therefore I stretched out my hand against you and diminished your allotted portion and delivered you to the greed of your enemies, the daughters of the Philistines who were ashamed because of your lewd behavior. You played the whore also with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. Yes, you played the whore with them, and still you are not satisfied. How sick is your heart, declares the Lord God, because you did all these things, the deeds of a brazen prostitute. Um, and then it, it goes on. And then in verse 37, it says, Therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, all those who you loved, and all those who you hated. I will gather them against you from every side, and uncover your nakedness to them, so that they may see your nakedness. So here he's giving her like the due reward for what she's done. Like she pursued this path of adultery and unashamedness and now the consequence of her actions are coming for her. Like all the people that she cheated on him with like are now turning against her and you know she opened herself up to shame and now she's being publicly shamed and she gave away all his riches and now he's she is losing everything. Um basically being disgraced. Um, but then it just kind of turns around and in verse, let's see, let me find it in verse 42, 
So I will satisfy my wrath on you, and my jealousy will depart from you. I will be calm and will no more be angry, because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but you have enraged me with all these things. Therefore, behold, I have not returned your deeds upon your head, declares the Lord God. Have you not committed lewdness in addition to your abominations? And so even even though he goes on to describe these punishments against her and the consequences of her actions, there's still this reminder that, like, he's different from her. I will be calm and will no more be angry. He is saying that after a certain point, like, there's going to be an end to these punishments. And then in verse 59, when he comes to the end, he says, For thus says the Lord God, I will deal with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath, the oath in breaking the covenant. Yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both your elder and your younger, and I give them to you as daughters, but not on account with the covenant with you. I will establish my covenant with you, and you will know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded and never again open your mouth because of your shame when I atone for all that you have done, declares the Lord God. And so it's kind of heartbreaking to see that, like, this broken promise um, because of what she's done, and yet the Lord is saying, I will remember my covenant with you, I will make a covenant with you, and he's going to hold up his end, even though she did not hold up hers. And it kind of ends on this bittersweet note, like, never open your mouth again because of your shame, when I atone for all that you have done, declares the Lord God. So I think there's there's more going on here, like theologically, that I feel like I'm kind of out of my depth. But just the picture in this parable of the faithless wife, and even after all her husband has done for her, and she betrays him like this, and yet he still comes back with the promise that he's going to remember his covenant to her. He's going to be faithful. He's going to atone for what she has done against him. So... As I was writing this, you know, it was is kind of hard not to skip through parts of this and, um, you know, just give us the good part and the easy part. And I feel like this chapter, it doesn't end with a nice bow. You know, I wish it, <laughs> you know, it doesn't make a very good, um, you know, a good succinct story in my mind. Um, but I think what I can really take away from this is like, the love of God is so powerful that it's kind of scary. Like, the, how much the Lord loves us. How much he loved Israel. Like, his love is jealous. And the choices that we make and that Israel made really affected him. Which is crazy. Like, we, we, we can think of God as, like, aloof and far away and just unaffected by us. And yet he chose to put his love upon us. And to enter this covenant with us that we break, that Israel broke, and that we can break. And, you know, it's it's kind of a measure of uh, how much love you have for someone by, like, how much their choices affect you emotionally. And how much, um, how strong your reactions are to the things that they do that may not even affect you. Like... Like how angry I got at my brother because I was worried about him. And, you know, how angry our parents can get at us because they're worried about us and they love us and they want us to make the right choices. Um, and so I guess what you can take away from this is that 
God cares about you and that you matter to the Lord. And that is comforting, but it also holds you accountable for what you do. And like he sees the thoughts of your heart. He sees everything that's going on in your mind. And it matters. There's no part of your heart that doesn't matter to him. There's a psalm that keeps coming up. Um, I think it's the end of Psalm 19. And it keeps playing through my head and being read in church. And it's like, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O God, my rock and my redeemer. I love how it ends with God, my rock and my redeemer. Because even though God sees all this for us who have been given the gift of salvation, we're redeemed and we're covered. You know, it's like it's these, these things are both in play that our sins are significant. Like they, our choices matter and they grieve the Lord. And yet we're covered by his blood and we're forgiven even for those things. And so I think the point here is just honesty and repentance because you know when you hide things um they get bigger they don't go away when you don't address things in your heart you know when you tell yourself that these thought patterns that you have um you know about another person or about an issue that's going on um or even about the lord when you tell yourself that it doesn't matter and you don't have to tell anyone you don't have to like it's just your little secret in your heart and you'll take care of it later um and it's fine you can manage it but there's so many psalms that talk about guilt <laughs> and how it just corrodes your heart and yet there's so much forgiveness available like enough to cover every sin every thought you've ever had so i guess what you can take away from this is that the lord is jealous for your heart and if you know him if you're saved then you have nothing to fear. Like this wrath that we read, because of Jesus, we don't have to face that. And we can just open our hearts completely to the Lord. I was reading through Job, and there's this passage where Job is just wrestling with, um, this is before God speaks to him, and he's just kind of wrestling with like how big God is and how far away he feels. And he's like, there was no arbiter between us. There is no one to put a hand on our shoulders and speak to us so that we can reconcile and it just struck me like Jesus is that person like he has a hand on each of our shoulders and he is the one that enables us to have this connection with the father so that we can cry Abba father and just bring to him everything so I'm going to end this before I stop making sense I hope um, that at least most of this made sense I hope that you take from this that you should go read Ezekiel um, yeah and uh, I'll see you next time, whenever that is.